If you would open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 18. So for some of you, some of this will be a recap because we shared it on uh, Thursday in our time of devotion at 6.30. And uh, so for those of you that heard it, you're about to hear it again. And I tell y'all, like my daddy say, we don't have no food around here to waste. And so uh, if we're going to cook a meal, we're going to make sure everybody gets some of that meal. And then sometimes God cooks it in such a way, it's like, oh, this is better than I thought it was going to be. Y'all need to try this. So this is, <laughs> this is where we are with this today. So I'm going to read uh, this passage of text, just two verses, and then we'll jump in and see what the Lord has to say to us today. The thing I appreciate, appreciate about God is that the anointing he sends for a word, it could be the same word, but the anointing is different, contingent upon who's in the room. So what God does is God finds tune, fine-tunes his message for you. That's why you can read the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want as a kid, and then again as a 20-something, and then again as a 40-something, and it means different. Same words, different meanings based on where you are because God knows how to give you what is called the rhema word. The written word is what's called the logos. It is, it is the word that you get expressed. But the rhema word is the right now that speaks to where you are, even though it's the same word. You hear what I'm saying? So we'll, if you open your heart and don't, uh, don't anticipate, you know what I'm going to say, because uh, I shared one of my messages recently with uh, a preacher friend. And so he called me back and he was like, uh, so what, where's all the stuff that me and you talked about? That you told me you said. Oh, I said, hey man, that's in my head. That's not, that's not on the, I just preached by like nuggets, you know, and the, everything else. I'm a conversational preacher. So what may come out today could be totally different of what, what came out Thursday night. I mean, Thursday morning. Well, it was still night, so <laughs> it was dark. It was Thursday night for me. <laughs> so just open your heart and receive. Here's what the word says. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 2 through 4 says, Arise. And go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. This morning, I want to talk to you from this thought the potter's perspective, the potter's perspective. Let's pray together really quick. Father, thank you for your presence that we feel here. Now speak to us through your word. We count it an honor and a privilege to be able to even sit in your house. For we were glad when they said unto us, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, Lord, I pray that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth. Give me clarity of thought and agility of wit. Allow me to talk in the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. So what is, uh, in order to get clear as we do this clear series, in order to get clear, um, it's important that you have some things in place. And so this, this series is going to help us to make some adjustments, listen, and alignments in order to get clear. Okay? So... This one series, 
And, and as, as the Lord keeps kind of stirring it around in my heart, it may not be just for, for January. It may spill over into February because we got to make some adjustments. And so this series is really designed to help you make the adjustment and make the alignment. So as you go, clarity happens, okay? Um, it is much like the uh, 10 lepers who cried out to Jesus. He uh, healed them, but they were not healed initially. The text says that although he granted to them their ask, as they went, they were healed, okay? So there's going to be some movement that has to happen in your life in order for clarity to come. It is like the lens on a camera. There is movement there to bring things into focus. So that's going to be important. So what we have done so far as we've started on our New Year's Eve service, we've been putting some things in place to help you get clear. So our first one, we did a sermon called Clear for Life, and Clear for Life helped to give you a perspective help your perspective so that you'll understand that this is not just about 2020 vision, okay? This is about clarity for life. So that's what happened on watch night. Then our second installment last week, we did uh, first this, then that, and that was order. So in order to get clear, you got to have perspective, and then you got to put some things in order, all right? So today, I want to jump in and talk to you on this text today, and um, I'm going to start here because the book of Jeremiah, the more I meditate on it, the Lord helps me to see a little bit more into the life of the text. The book of Jeremiah is really, really good for this time of year, because when you look at, and this is what we actually, these two texts that I'm about to talk to, talk to you about, we uh, looked at it on New Year's Eve service. We had Je uh, Jeremiah 1 talks about uh, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. All right, so you can go back and listen to the, to the sermon there. But it's amazing to me what God is doing with Jeremiah is that first he gives us uh, an understanding that God cares about us individually. That he says that before you start this journey, I want you to understand that I've thought about you. I've had some, uh, some consistent thoughts about you, ongoing thoughts about you, and I also gave some assignments to you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. While you were a thought in me, God says, I was thinking about you. So Jeremiah's book helps us with that. But then if we go down to Jeremiah 29... We see in, in one that he deals with the individual. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, very popular text, I know the thoughts that I have concerning you, thoughts of good and not evil, to give you a future and a hope, okay? He is now talking to a group of people. He's talking to a group of people who messed up and was living out the consequences of their mess up, but even while they were in their stuff, in captivity, he was still thinking about them. Let me tell you something. When you mess up, God doesn't stop thinking about you. When you drop the ball, when you find the man, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a bind. I'm in a tight, as my dad would say. I'm in a tight. And even though you're in a tight, God still thinks about you. And that's when he says to a group of people, a group of people and to the individuals in that group, that I have been thinking about you. Even though you're in captivity, I'm thinking about your freedom. Your freedom is planned. So it's important. I wish, I, would, I wish our world and our nation would understand that God thinks about us collectively. 
He cares. Re- listen, listen. Regardless of what a person's belief is, that does not mean that God doesn't care about them. Okay? And I don't even want to go down that road because I got so many thoughts on that, but God cares. So when we look at chapter 18 of Jeremiah, so the first chapter one, he deals with uh, the individual. I care about you. I've been thinking about you. Then he deals with the group here. I know y'all are in captivity for 70 years, but I've already, I'm already thinking about you and thinking about your freedom. But here in 18, he is talking to this same group of people from 29, and he is really talking to them in this way by saying, y'all are about to go off course, and I want to talk to you and tell you how I feel about you and some plans that I could, I still can, you know, we could work this thing out and we still could be good. So God not only speaks to us at the start, He speaks to us in the middle of stuff, but he also starts talking to us before we get off track. Okay, you can take that for what it's worth. So I want to deal with, though, uh, just these two verses because there's so much in this text as he deals with those people. But there's just something here uh, in verses two through four that I believe is a blessing to us. And so... You know, I try sometimes to stay away from some things as it relates to the text because it makes me preach longer. But then, you know, when you read it, it's like, uh, it's laying right here in the text. How can you not talk about it? So I didn't talk about it Thursday, so I'll talk about it today because I got a few more minutes. Um, right here, God gives him an instruction at verse 1 or verse 2, gives him instruction and says, Arise, Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. Watch this. And there... I will cause you to hear my words. Listen, that there is another level of hearing that you do not get access to until you do the first thing he told you to do. Because you would think if you're like, what do you mean? Cause me to hear your words. I'm hearing you tell me to go down to the potter's house. Yeah, I'm telling you to go down to the potter's house, but I have more to say. And I won't even open your ears to that level until you do the first thing I told you to do. See, here is our challenge. I know I shouldn't have said nothing. I shouldn't have said nothing about this. It's not even in my notes, but I shouldn't have said nothing about this, but I'm over here now. Here's our challenge. Our challenge is we want all of it before we move. You want to know, I want to know what I'm supposed to be doing. I want to know if I'm going to get this job and I want to know blah, 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 blah. And the Holy Ghost will say, hey, go to church today. And you'll be like, I'm just not in the mood for that. I'm just really trying to seek God. It's brilliant. And God says, I got more for you, but I'm not going to unlock that level of hearing in you. That level of revelation in you until you do the first thing I tell you to do. So I know Jeremiah is a prophet. But even those who are gifted, those who are anointed, still have to follow instructions. Go down there to the potter's house. I ain't going to say nothing else till you do it. Quiet. Ever wonder why your life seems to be quiet spiritually? Could it be that the first thing he told you to do, you didn't do? See, when he says to Peter, when Peter says, hey, if this is you, bid me to come to you. Jesus says to Peter, come. He says nothing else. 
Peter gets out of the boat. The first thing that Jesus says to him after he gets out of the boat was, hey, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt when he was sinking? But he wouldn't even say that had Peter not moved and responded to the permission to come. So you have to be obedient, follow first level of instructions so God can keep unlocking your hearing. Look at what he says. I will cause you to hear my words. Could it be that the stuff you think is a word from God is so surface? Guys looking at you like, oh, child, you crying and just just shouting because I said, hey, he said, I want to say so much more to you, but I can't get you to move. I can't get you to be obedient to me. So I will cause you to hear what else I got to say when you do the first thing I tell you to do. Now, let's let's start there for clear. How about that? Get clear on this. Do everything he says. Don't feel like because he said something that that's all he has to say. For man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that continues or that what, what is it? How does it say that every word that what? Proceed. So that word proceed in the Hebrew is the word that says that comes and keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. We like it when God just says one thing and you be like, girl, I got a word. I can't wait to tell you what he said. And sometimes I feel like the Holy Ghost is like, you know what? Don't even tell nobody that. Because what I got, the, the next turn and the next turn is so far from what you have perceived. You see that? It's so far from what you think, where you think I'm going. You're like, he told me to go down there and make a left. You know, you, you know what that means, right? You know what that means, right? Because, you know, Beyonce was like, to the left, to the left. If you know what that means, right? God is really telling me to leave him. God was like, what? I just told you to go down there and make a left because it was a traffic jam if you had gone right. We ain't even really started talking yet. Okay. But that's how spiritual people be making these correlations. That's why I tell people all the time, you had a dream? Well, let's, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa on that. God spoke to me in a dream. What was the dream about? Okay, well, let's, before we get down there, before we get to the spiritual, let's deal with the natural. What did you eat? You know what I'm saying? Because some stuff ain't there yet. He, God was telling him in his dream, he showed me that I was standing in church and I'm going to be up on that stage preaching. No, 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 no. He's telling you first, go. All right, I got to leave you alone. I got to leave it alone. I got to leave it alone, man. Okay, he's telling you to go. take your hips to church. Okay, so here's what I want you to know about God, though. God is always thinking about you, and he is always working on your behalf. Okay, this is a good way to start your year understanding that God is always working on your behalf. Okay. All right. So here's another way to say that. God is never not thinking about you. Can I say it like that? That's the way I really want to say it. He's never not working on your behalf. He is in the tapestry of your life, working things out. And sometimes you don't know, and you don't always have to know. You just got to trust that he is doing something. Here is your word today to let you know that God is doing something on your behalf. Remember Mephibosheth? Mephibosheth was uh, the grandson of Saul. He was Jonathan's boy. And as a result of an accident, he was lame and crippled in both feet. 
I love that. I love the text. I ain't going to touch it. Uh, so he was in Lodabar at a guy's house. And while he was there, who knows, maybe feeling sorry for himself because he wasn't independent. He was dependent on somebody, living in somebody else's house, away from his people, away from his royal lineage. There is a, listen, a palace conversation about a guy who was living in the projects. He didn't even know that the conversation was going on. But while he was there, David was in the, in the palace asking, hey, anybody else left in, uh, in Jonathan's family that we can just bless? See, I know you think you're grand and wonderful, but some of the blessings that's coming into your life this year is because of who your grandmama was. You see what I'm saying? And you know, you all highfalutin now. You don't want to deal with them. You don't want to go to the family reunion because you don't want to deal. It's because of that side of the family that God is showing and bringing stuff into your life. And he's having conversations about you and you know nothing about it because he's always working on your behalf. Sometimes I think we overthink it. And we're always trying to figure it out. What's the next move? And when I get to go to these strategy meetings and these leadership meetings and I'm going, I'm going here and I got to go to this conference. And, but you don't pray. God says, spend some time with me. I can save you a lot of money in these conference fees. But most of the stuff you get in these conferences, you don't use anyway. Come on, let's be real. I mean, you know how many portfolios I've thrown away from conferences with some notes in them? And I was just like, I didn't, who said this? Why did I even go to this? So God is saying, sometimes you just got to spend some time with me because I'm always in the fabric, in the background of your life, working things out for you. Hear me. If you want to write something down, I don't have, this ain't on the screen. Write this down. He's always working on your behalf. While you're crying about your right now, let the Holy Spirit minister to you about your tomorrows because God's working it out. He's working on it. You hear me? And I think I said it at some point this week. I heard myself say, I might have been talking to myself, that he will work some stuff out for you. This was Tuesday's call. He will work some stuff out for you before you even know that the need is there. You hear me? That he, listen, he knows what we have need of. This is the word. Before we even ask. And we think that our ask activates his move. Our ask shows him that we are dependent. So our ask unlocks access to what he's already done for us. Are you hearing me? So he's always working it out. And next thing you know, you're walking into it. He was like, man, I didn't even know that this was going to happen like this. I needed this. I didn't even know I needed it. And the Lord had already worked it out. Have you ever had a need met but didn't know that you needed it until the need was met? Yeah, think about that. Okay, here we go. God uses this, this imagery in the text today. And uh, Christine, if you put that text back up, let's, let's talk a little bit. So um, the, uh, the uh, Jeremiah, our text for today, yep. So he uses this imagery of the potter. And he says to Jeremiah, go down there and I'll, I'm going to let you hear my words once you get down there. And then Jeremiah says, when I got there, I saw something. Um, it's so funny, though, that everything that I'm teaching here in this text, ain't even what God was, he ain't even start talking yet. Because sometimes your obedience opens the door to revelation. 
So God can speak into your heart before he starts speaking into your ear. Okay, so then he gets to this text and we see that the potter is making something at the wheel. I love it because uh, go go next. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the potter's hand. And so what I want you to get today is this perspective that the potter has. So when I read this text, I just thought I kept I don't know why it is as many times as I've read this text. Every time I go to it, I'm waiting to hear what the vessel is. And the text never reveals the vessel. Now, let me see if anybody thinks like me. Anybody that read this text, do you see in your head him making something like a container or a cup or a jar? That's what you see, right? So when you look up vessel, the text it really says in the Hebrew that it could be anything from a weapon to a tool to a container. Do you know how broad that is? And I said, as I was reading the text, well, why don't we know what he was making? And the Holy Ghost says, because what he was making was not as important as what he was using to make it. Okay, so here's your point. Point number one, you can put it on the screen, please. So I can, uh uh-huh, don't underestimate what you're made of. Because, see, society has taught us that it's all about what we become. And what God is saying here, it is not the end result. It is actually the material that I make. You see, that's why recycling has become such big business. Because we want to be able to have a material that you can use again. So then... It is what this is made of that becomes the commodity or the asset, not the fact that it's just a water bottle. Are you you getting what I'm saying? So he could have made anything, but what he made was not as important as what he made it with. And so the Lord told me to tell you that you need to be focused on what's in you. What you're made of. Listen. And many of you are made from brokenness, disappointments, tears, failure after failure after failure. And God says, I'm going to use that to make you. That's what I'm going to use because that's some good stuff. Look at your neighbor and say, you got some good stuff in there. That's some good stuff. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Nobody wants to think that brokenness is good. But being broken gives you different perspectives on life. Failure helps your perspective on life. You hear what I'm saying? No, listen, listen. I mean, it's really about all, how you look at it. It's, it's all about a paradigm shift, right? A paradigm is the way you look at a thing. A paradigm shift is seeing the same thing in a different way. Okay, because we society kind of side eye people who get their GED and celebrate people who get their diploma through school. But let's look at it. Let's look at it. If you have decided to quit school, it takes more fortitude to say, I'm going to go back than it does to just get up every morning knowing that your mom will beat your tail if you don't go to school. (laughs) Just depends on how you look at it. Don't get me wrong, both are great. But I mean, who are we to side eye a GED? 
Because everything, so now what we've learned is that, hey, you got a little more, you got something in you when you get your diploma because you go, you consistent and gone through the whole program. But you have something in you to get your GED that says you quit at one point, whatever the reason was, but you recorrected or you overcame the obstacle and you kept going because something is in you that pushes you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so God wants to use all the stuff. Everything that you have been through, good, bad, ugly, he says, that's what I'm going to make you out of. Because making you into a vase or a a, a shovel is one thing. But if I make you into a shovel with weak metal, you're not going to be good for anything. You know, I, I know times get hard and sometimes we buy, you know, utensils from the dollar store. I, uh, I went to I went to um, I went to Kroger and bought some measuring yeah the little ones with the little handle is that what we what we call them measuring spoons is what I got and so with this little with this could these cookies that Kyle was selling with the cookie dough you know I want all my cookie dough when I roll I want it all to be the same size so when my cookies come out they the same size pray for me. So I got some so I could scoop it, make sure every one of them is one tablespoon, right? But because the cookie dough is firm, if you don't hold the measuring spoon the right way, because they only cost me a couple of bucks, they will bend. And sometimes, so although I have the right tool, it really ain't made out of the right stuff for me to use it the way I want to use it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so you got to start valuing what you are made of over what you are made into. I know I'm preaching this longer than I should, but there's some people the light's just going on. Now you see it because see, here's the deal. The, the spoons that I bought really for like flour. It ain't made for tough stuff. And God says, the stuff that I put in you, you made for tough stuff. You keep thinking that you can't do it, but you got this. You keep thinking that you don't have what it takes to overcome this situation. You got this. Boy, I'm preaching to myself. You got this. Do you know the stuff that you have inside of you? Every time you ran into a wall and got knocked down, you got back up. Something else grew inside of you when you did that. You got this. And you keep worrying about the end result. Don't worry about the end result because I'm going to keep making you into what you need in the certain seasons of your life. You keep saying, I'm God, I don't want you to make me to be a cup. He says, oh. but in the season that you're going into, you don't need to be a cup. What you need to be is strong. That comes from what you're made out of. This text is really helping me because one of the things that's big for me is learning how to reinvent yourself. But regardless of what I reinvent myself to, did I say that right? What I'm made of comes with me through every station of life. You see that? What you're made of helps you to be resilient. I was in a session the other day and the, and the facilitator asked the question, said, um, in six words, 
in six words, um, she says, oh, give your life a title in six words. You know, everybody in that little session was like, ooh. So, uh-huh, so that's what I said. I remember what I said. I had to count it. So she got to me, and she said, uh, okay, Tim, I said, the comeback kid rises again. Had nothing to do with what I do, but it has everything to do with who I am. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It takes fortitude to overcome stuff. And so you got to start focusing on what am I made of? I know I'm writing this out, but I feel like I'm speaking to somebody's heart. What am I made of? And you go, you got to start going back to, to, to who your mama was. You understand what I'm saying? What your mama overcame. Because we keep talking about, I don't want that life anymore. You don't want that life, but you, can, you need what she had to come through. You need the fact that your daddy worked four or five jobs to make it happen for You don't want to work four or five jobs. I get that. But you need that kind of fortitude to say I'm willing if I had to. Because that's what he's going to use in your life. All right, I'm trying to move on. on. I really am. He's making something. Paul says this in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 4 and 7. says, since... We have this treasure in earthen vessels. He says, we roll in such a way that people can see the excellence of God in us, but they don't really see us. They see God. So, see, what we carry is what God has made inside of us. You know what I mean? That's what we, that's what we carry. That, that ability to not give up in the face of adversity so people can see, wow, you're strong. How is that? Because I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. It's what I'm made of. I'm, you know, it used to be that uh, um, girls were, no, boys. Boys were made of and puppy dog tails. And girls was made of sugar and spice and everything nice. You know what I'm saying? You got to start looking. What, <laughs> what are you made of? It's so funny. We heard that growing up. But women in this culture, they're like, I don't want to be made out of that. Maybe it's because I want to be made out of Teflon and (laughs) not sugar and spice. That's too limiting because all of that stuff, if the rain hit, it will melt. Okay, y'all looking at me. That's like, oh, Pastor, you just, Mm mm-hmm, think about it. All right, let's keep it moving. Here's the next thing. So the first thing, never underestimate. If you're going to have the the potter's uh, perspective, never underestimate or don't underestimate what you're made of because in that text, the only specificity we have is really two things. One is we have clay. All right. The second thing that is very, or three things. The first one is clay. The second one is the fact that it's, there's a wheel that he's on. So here's your point. Number two, if you weren't online, here it is. Stay on the wheel. Stay on the wheel. Before God starts speaking to Jeremiah, The first thing Jeremiah sees when he gets to the potter's house is that the potter is making something. Here it is what's specified at the wheel. Okay, and you got to stay on the wheel. Here's the thing that I know you don't want to hear, but I got to tell you anyway. The wheel represents the process. It is how he's making you. You got to stay with that thing. 
Look at your neighbor and say, stop running from the process. God uses, here's what, here's what Hebrew Bible teaches and the Hebrew culture believes this, that everything that happens to you in your life, they believe happens at the hand of God. This is what they believe. They believe even the devil is a pawn in the hand of God and God grabs the devil like a tool and fans the flame of your life. Boy, that's a picture, huh? Because you've been taught to rebuke the devil. What if at the other end of the devil it's God's hand? That's what they believe. Wait, some of us believe it too. Because we read the book of Job. We read the book of Job and Job comes into an executive, I mean, and the devil comes into God's executive leadership meeting. Have you ever asked why God let him in? <laughs> I should see how y'all looking at me. I want, I want to tip over your sacred, count, your, your sacred count right here. Because he is meeting. God is in a meeting and the devil gets in. Where is security? <laughs> Who gave him a badge? How, did, how does this happen? How does he get into a council meeting and then have a voice. Watch. He had a voice because God recognized him and asked him a question. Yo, what you up to? Wait a minute. I wish I was that. Why are we talking to him? Why why are we we talking to him? I wouldn't be talking to him. But but really, if, if you look at that, I'd rather God talk to him because when we talk to him, we get kicked out of the garden. So we want God to talk to him because he can't mess up nothing with God. He can't mess up God's perspective. So, so, so listen, when the enemy starts whispering in your ear, don't talk to him. Point him to God. I know they keep telling you you need to bind the devil. Just tell the devil. Don't tell the devil nothing. Just be like, you know what? I'm not even talking to you. Jesus, can you handle this, please? Because I'm in a way right now, and he knows how to come at me to get my attention. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Talking to the devil sometimes is like talking to a used car salesman when your car ain't working. (laughs) Okay. All right. So anyway, I started off to say that that uh, that whole conversation had something to do with the fact that God suggested Job. And so Job had all these issues in his life. Listen, because God gave the enemy permission to go so far. Okay. so then maybe some of the stuff you're going through that you're calling the devil could be. The fact that God is calling an audible and say, hey, I need, you, I, I need you to press them a little bit. Now, you can't do this and you can't do this, but I, I need you to press them. Okay, okay, y'all don't believe me. Exodus, God brings the children of Israel out from under Egyptian captivity, right? 
And he could, they come out, the Bible says they come out with a strong hand. See, we think that that started back in the Olympics. When the, look in the text. You got your, t- you got your T-shirt on. That's Bible. The Bible says he came, they came out strong hand, means hand lifted. So they get in the wilderness, and some of them started thinking, yo, okay, I'm, I'm just playing. I'm going to go back. I, I, you know, I can't come out here. I can't do this. I'd rather go back and be a slave in Egypt than to be free in the desert. No, Holy Ghost, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to go down that road. We could, we'll, build, we'll build a sermon around it. Because many of us would like to be bound with convenience than free in the level and have sacrificed some stuff. So that's where they came out. So then they go out and then some of them start thinking we need to go back. And the Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Because Pharaoh was like, okay, I'm down. I can't beat you. I'm down. I'm going to let your people go. And then they get out there in freedom land talking about what they don't want to do in freedom land. Like you don't go to vote. Because you don't feel like getting up before work in freedom land. So because they were thinking about it, the Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he says to Pharaoh, hey, chase them down. He's like, God, what? Are you schizophrenic? What are we doing? You told me to come. You told me to get out. I'm out. You know, you told me, you told me to let them go. I did. But now I want you to go get them. All right, I'm going to go get them. It's amazing how the enemy oftentimes is more obedient than God's people. I ain't got So he, he runs after them. And if you look at the geographic layout, they're in between two mountains and there's only the Red Sea in front of them. And so God causes the enemy to chase them into a place that whether they sometimes God will chase you into a place. Let the enemy chase you into a place to where you have to decide either I'm going to trust you or die. You see? That's when I say you got to be obedient because who knew that we had miracle working power to open up waters? You see? Because see, the water split and they walk across his text on dry ground. Dry ground. So the process sometimes God uses the process to bring us into a place where we say, I'll have no choice but to trust you or give up on everything. That's why you got to stay on the wheel. Trust the process. Trust the process. Stay on the wheel. Because as long as you stay on the wheel, You'll be, point number three, you'll be in his hand. Listen, 
The potter is making something at the wheel. And the text says that it gets marred, I like this, in the potter's hand. Adrian, do you know know what that means? That means that I can be freed from guilt and condemnation because God doesn't expect for me to be perfect. But I need to stay in his hand so he can keep remaking me. That's why you got to stay in his hand. Because it it is possible, Edge, to get marred in the hand of the potter. And that's why you got to tell the naysayers in your life. I'm not perfect, but I'm in his hand. James Cleveland understood it. Please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. I'm still on the wheel. And as long as I'm on the wheel, he got his hand on me. The problem that we have is that when we feel like we get a little form and a little shape, we get off the wheel and get out of his hand and we say, I got it from here. You got your degree. Now you got it. You got your six figure salary. Now, now you got it. You done started a little business and everybody coming at you. Now you got it. You have started a church, and now you got multiple services, and now you got it. How dare you have a church, (laughs) and you leave his hand? That's your three points a day. I'm done. I'm done. You got to stay in his hand. Because in his hand, even your imperfections get covered. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And the partner was like, I mean, it's like nobody was stressed out. God is telling the story. He's like, hey, or uh, Jeremiah, through the unction of the Holy Ghost, telling the story that, hey, what, what, what he was making got marred in his hand. And he made it again into whatever he wanted it to be. Whatever seemed good to the potter. You know what that says to me, Kevin? That even when the clay gets marred, or the vessel gets marred, that the potter still has a plan for the clay. Here, Cynthia, he doesn't have a plan for the vessel. He has a plan for the clay. That means you got to always be moldable and pliable in the hand of God. See, you're so busy trying to be made in two. That he says, don't worry about being made in two. You just stay clay. Because if you stay clay, whatever doesn't work out right in your life, I could just put my hand on it and shape it again. That's why you to come back, kid. You're not so great and wonderful. You have decided to stay on the wheel and stay in his hand. Take the first job you've lost, stay in his hand. Come on. He's like, I got this. You lost this job? That's because the job was, had become, for you, the vessel. 
<laughs> you were no longer clay, you were your job. You were no longer clay, you were the success of your marriage. You were no longer clay, you were the success of the testimony. Now all of a sudden everybody following you on Instagram and you became that. He said, don't become that, you stay clay. Because if you stay clay and stay on the wheel, my hand will stay on you. Because if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, in due season, he'll make you into something else. Elevation. Come on. It is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. I love watching Chopped because sometimes they'll tell you I'm going to make so-and-so-and-so or even some of those baking shows or baking competitions. And because of how something turns out, they'll say, this didn't turn out the way I want it to, but I'm going to make it into this. Because, again, they wasn't just sold on. Look, they wasn't judged on the plan they had. They were judged on the outcome. Man, I'm preaching so good today. We don't even sell CDs, but I'm going to buy this one. Because they're judged on the outcome. And sometimes in the process, things have to change. But the whole thing was, they say it's still edible. Because I'm what I'm making it from. It's not as important, as important as what I'm making it into. So I want to encourage y'all today. That he who has begun a good work in you. Shall perform it. Shall perform it. He who has begun the work in you. Listen, I know you're successful, but you didn't start this work. He did. And if you start it, you're going to have to finish it. And the one thing I like about God is that he pays for what he orders. I let him order. I, I let, listen, I'm just at this season in my life, this place in my life, that I'm just letting you order. What you want? What you want, God? I spent some time ordering my own stuff, and it came out burned, unedible. Now, you order it. Because if you order it, I ain't got to pay for it. Come on, you ever, been, you ever been out to eat with somebody and what they say to you is order whatever you want? You ever done that? And you know inside you'd be like, I don't want to seem greedy. You know, and you'd be like, I'm, you know, I act like I got some sense, like I'm used to some stuff. Listen, don't take me out and tell me to order whatever I want. Because <laughs> I'm at this season in life, I'm like, you order it. Tell me I can get anything, I'm going for the gusto. <laughs> you'll be like, you never ask a Tim to go out with me no more. <laughs> Come on, let's stay and we got to go. I really believe that, uh, that God is orchestrating these talks and he's orchestrating your steps and orchestrating your life. And uh, I'm excited about the messages that are to come. But I want you to know this, be encouraged. If there's anything that you, I could give you for these last two weeks, I will give you this, that what you are made of 
is important. I'll tell you how important. The story is that Jesus comes into a house and uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, tellings of this story is that because his feet was dusty, Mary washed his feet with her hair. And tradition says that she used her tears to do it. I mean, you think about it. If she actually cried on his feet, I mean, could we have gotten enough water to really properly wash his feet? So the custom of the day was that many, many women of the house would take a jar and as life happened and they cried about it, they would catch their tears in a jar. And so the custom here suggests that when his feet was dusty, she took everything that made her cry and poured it over his feet. All of her pains, all of her brokenness, all of her worries, anxieties, poured it over her feet and then took her hair, which was her glory, and dried his feet with her glory. And what she was really saying to him, I'm going to lay everything that has made me, the good and the bad, I'm going to lay it at your feet. And he says, make sure everybody knows from this moment on, about this moment, she becomes a memorial. Because everything that has made her, she laid it at my feet. And I want to encourage you today that you've been through some hard stuff. It doesn't make you less. It makes you better. Be encouraged. Listen, that them bad, those bad decisions. Like, man, how did I end up right here? They're making you better. I mean, don't be a fool and going to do it again. But I'm just saying, you don't have to walk in guilt, shame, or condemnation because God wants to use all of you to make the next vessel that he has in mind for you. You hear me? Take your eyes off of what the people say and keep yourself in his hand. Are you hearing me? Because if you're on his, in, in his hand, you're protected from what the people say. They told you you weren't going to be no good. I told you not to marry him. You shouldn't have married him. I told you leave that girl alone. She just got you hemmed up. All of that stuff, God says, I'm making something in you, man. I'm making something in you, woman. And I want to use it. Get my perspective. Don't underestimate what you got. Stay on the wheel. Stay in his hand. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask today that you will uh, etch these words into our hearts that, we'll, that we will remember that you are the potter and that we are the clay. <laughs> Have thine own way. Have thine own way in our lives. We're going to stay in the process, stay connected to you. And I ask today that you'll make this word alive in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, did you learn anything today? Cool.